0: This morning, we have, uh, we have a guest pastor with us. We have Pastor Derwin Gray, um, and Pastor Gray is from Transformation Church in South Carolina. Um, it's a multiracial church, somewhat like ours, and multigenerational as well, um, and he's an author. He's got numerous books out there. Um, you are in for a treat, so please give a welcome to Pastor Derwin Gray.
1: Now, that is the way to start a service. How about that small group over here? Yeah. Man, um, I want to introduce my wife, Vicki. Vicki, would you stand up? We've been married for 27 years. Yep. We met uh, my freshman year in college. I was 18. She was 19 and we've been together ever since. Uh, we went to a school called Brigham Young in Provo, Utah. It is very diverse there. All different shades of whiteness. It, it, was, it was amazing. Um, so, Vicki was on the track team. So, she, uh, she threw the javelin, which is incredibly sexy. Not only because she hugged me, but she could kill me simultaneously, and that was, just, that was just awesome. So, we have a daughter named Presley who will be 23 Tomorrow, I know. That's what we say. Like, how do we have a 23-year-old? We have a son, Jeremiah, who's 18, and on Tuesday, uh, we dropped him off at Wake Forest University. He's going to be playing football there. So, so we are empty nesters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I also want to thank uh, uh, Pastor. This is my nickname for your pastor, St. Richie of Brooklyn. Uh, St. Richie of Brooklyn has become a great friend. He's preached at Transformation Church. We're thankful uh, for Pastor Pete and his lovely bride. Also, it's important for you to understand this. Uh, New Life Fellowship and how you've embraced being a gospel-centric, multiracial church but also emotionally healthy spirituality, is this not just about your pastors, it's about you. That God is using you to not only influence this area, but literally around the world. And so people may not see you lowering someone through the roof, but please know that teamwork does make the dream work. And so we just took our staff through Emotionally Healthy Leader. And so I just want you to know that you are making a difference, and you may not know the depth of that difference until the new heavens and new earth. So thank you, All right, um, there's a little old bitty clock up there, and uh, it says I got 27 minutes. Uh, I'm black, so let's pray and get started. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit. Not that you're not here, you're omnipresent, and you indwell us. But it's a recognition that nothing cannot get done unless you do it. God, the Holy Spirit, would you magnify the Lord Jesus, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the author and finisher of life, the one who is grace. And would you do this all to the glory of God the Father? So whether if we've walked with you for many years, whether if we're stumbling and tumbling with you or whether we're just checking out who you are, would you meet us in such a way that we get a glimpse of how beautiful and life-giving King Jesus is? And God's people said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, on a count of three, would you say grace with me? One, two, three. Grace. 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 Um, If I was to title this sermon, it would be called, He Came as Grace so that we could go in grace. Grace is the very person of Jesus. We're going to look at a very familiar passage, and one of the things about a familiar passage is we can oftentimes not allow the depth of its richness to capture us. So I want to ask that we ask the Holy Spirit to help us Be familiar with the story at the woman at the well. And over the years, I've named the woman at the well Sammy because she's from Samaria. So, so may as we see how Jesus engages Sammy, may we allow the Holy Spirit to engage us. So, first and foremost, uh, uh, um, grace means this that Jesus had to come for us. That Jesus had to come for us. Sometimes as preachers we'll say things like we're undeserving of God's grace, which is 100% true. And then sometimes we'll say he didn't have to come, which I don't believe is true because of this. Because God, who is love, thus He is gracious, has to come because He wants his family back, He wants His children back. Which one of us would not jump into a lake or river or ocean to rescue their down their drowning children? We all would. I can't even swim, and I would try. <laughs> so so. He had to come. Um, Elvis Presley and Willie Nelson made a song famous called You've Always Been on My Mind. It's a, it's a love song. They lying. <laughs> There's no human being that can say you've always been on my mind. Only the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit can legitimately say you Have always been on my mind. There listen, there's never been a moment that God has not thought about you in reconciling you unto himself. Let's jump into the text. John chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I call this scene one. It's kind of a movie. So, So in scene one, he had to come, but look what the text says. He had to travel through Samaria. Now, this is really deep, so I've got like two doctorates, and I've studied and paid a lot of money for this. You know what had means? You ready? In Greek, it means had. No, no, he had to go. Like it was a necessity for him to go. He had to travel through Samaria. What's the problem? Jewish people in the first century, second temple Jewish context, did not go through Samaria. Why didn't they go through Samaria? Because Samaritans lived there. Who were the Samaritans? Many of the Jewish people believed that Samaritans were half-breed heretics. They were Jew and Gentile. They were half-breeds, and, and, and they were heretical doctrinally. So the Jewish people would not go through Samaria, but Jesus isn't your everyday kind of savior. He's the savior of the world, and he had to go through Samaria. It says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. That's a small little nuance, but... I love the fact of the incarnation, that the eternal son of God came down and he too got tired. So if you feel weary, God goes, yeah, I know what you feel like. See, I can worship a God who isn't distant on like Neptune or Saturn, but a God who actually put upon Jewish skin in a Jewish world to come to save the world and goes, I need to take a break. I bet Jesus would've went to Starbucks if it was around. (laughs) So he sat down at the well, it was about noon time, and a woman, Sammy, uh, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. So um, I've been to the Middle East, it's hot. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. It is hot in San Antonio, Texas, but in the Middle East, it's a whole different kind of hotness. So why would you go draw water when it's hot? In that culture, women would go in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening, but Sammy went at noontime. Um, That strongly suggests that Sammy did not want anyone to see her. Can I suggest to you that even though this area is so dense with people, That there are people who don't want to truly be seen. Satan loves to use shame and he loves to use guilt. Those are cancers of the soul that literally all these people around here walking around, running around, and are isolated and lonely. Let's move to scene two. Scene two I call Grace Crucifies Ethnocentrism and sexism. What does ethnocentrism mean? It means this, that typically we view our particular ethnicity better than someone else. Let me confess to you, this was several years ago. I'm a football player. I played defensive back in a national football league, and in the NFL, not too many Caucasian brothers play defensive back. So my son and I, he's a defensive back and we're watching the Minnesota Vikings play and they had a particular player that was fair-skinned and he played defensive back. So here's my ethnocentrism. I said, son, no way he's full white. He gotta have some black in him. (laughs) Because white guys don't play in the secondary. So this is preacher, pastor of a multi-ethnic church. Ethnocentrism, it's sin. I was judging a book by its cover. So what did I do? I did what any sophisticated person would do. I went to Google and looked him up. And he is a white boy from Tennessee and he can play and he's fast. And I had to confess. I said, son, now your father just displayed to you ethnocentrism. <laughs> but you know what? If we're honest, all of us do it. The question is, will we take it to the cross? But Jesus also, grace, crucifies sexism. Watch this, verse nine. She says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans since 17 or, or since 722 B.C. the Jews and the Samaritans were in this uh, um, incredible hate-filled war, so to speak. And she's amazed that the Messiah. Well, first of all, talk to a woman. In the ancient Jewish world, uh, you, you couldn't even really talk to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. And so what Jesus does, what Jesus does is he affirms her dignity as an image bearer of God. On this Father's Day, can I say this to the men? It is vital that we have our women's backs. It is vital that we affirm that they are made in the image of God. I would not be who I am today if it was not for my grandmother and her strength. I would not be who I am today if it was not for my wife and her strength. And our church would not be who she is today without the strong women In our church. And so Jesus sets a precedent. Not only am I going to talk to a Samaritan woman, but I'm going to affirm your dignity and ask you for a drink. Let's move to scene three. I call this Grace Meets Our True Needs. In verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Let me pause here. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, I pray, I pray that you never, ever leave the gift that God has given you. We don't graduate beyond the gift of God's grace. We don't graduate beyond God's love. Please, 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 never, ever forget the moment that you looked into his flaming eyes of grace and mercy, and he melted you and rebuilt you in love. Never, ever forget that moment, live from that moment. Neither my wife nor I grew up in church. I had no clue what the gospel was, didn't know any of that stuff. But I had a teammate with the Indianapolis Colts, six foot two, 240 pounds, inside linebacker. He had a nickname. His nickname was The Naked Preacher. Every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, and he would get his Bible, he had one go front, and he'd walk through the locker room like this, white towel around his waist, with a Bible, and he would ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? (laughs) Being a person who who knew nothing about church or Jesus, in my mind, I'm going, do you know you're half naked? No, seriously. And my teammate said, Don't pay no attention to him. That's the naked preacher. <laughs> and so for five years, the naked preacher embodied the gospel, shared the gospel with me. And on August 2nd, 1997, my fifth year in the NFL, training camp, Anderson, Indiana, right after lunchtime, I walked to the dorm room. Now, young adults, this is when phones were on the wall. I grabbed the phone off the wall and I called my wife and I said this, I said this, I want to be more committed to you and I want to be committed to Jesus. And it was like my eyes were open, my heart was open and a flood of love came in and I have never, ever be the same and I will never, ever get over the moment that God gave me his gift. And that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for us. It's that we never get over this gift. Verse 13, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Excuse me, ma'am, you're gonna be a part of the sermon. Can you bring me some of that water right there? Yes, hydration is key. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, okay, okay, so, so, so uh, Nestle Pure, Nestle Pure Life. <laughs> Nestle, that's at Derwin L. Gray on Twitter. I would like the contract with you. Okay, back to the message. So she wanted physical water. Physical water's good. She wanted that. But Jesus is like, well, well this physical water is just a shadow of what you really need. What you really need is me, the living water. I I wanna hydrate your soul. So watch this, all around us, and even you and me, often we'll reach for a shadow, the physical water, but what we really need is Jesus, the living water. All around us we have people reaching for shadows, but you and I have the living water. My question is this, of you told them, I know what you need, and I've got it, I've got it. Eternal life is not somewhere we go. Eternal life is the eternal God himself who lives in us and through us for all eternity. He, he is the hydration of our souls. Every human being needs four things. First we need is unconditional love. Now listen, I love my wife. Like, like, I take pictures of her all the time. I'm smitten. I am head over heels with this woman. She is getting more beautiful the longer we journey together. I'm not just saying that because she's here. I see it. <laughs> yeah. it's, hey, it's Father's Day too? The Lord is good. <laughs> Can I get a hey, amen? okay, let me get back to the message. No, but I'm serious. But no matter how much she loves me, this is what I know, she can't love me like Jesus. Only Jesus can love me like Jesus. If I ask her to love me like Jesus, she would be crushed under the weight of my messianic idolatry. Only Jesus can love me like Jesus. We all need to be loved. We all need an identity. So for so long, my identity was Derwin Gray football player. And then when I made it to the NFL, it's like the heaven. But here's the problem with the NFL being your heaven. NFL stands for not for long. (laughs) So what happens when you can't do what it is that you used to do? I tell the people at Transformation Church all the time, like, I love you, but understand this, I don't have to be lead pastor to be okay, because Jesus is my okay. Jesus is my identity. Beloved son of God is my identity. That can't be stripped away, and that leads to significance. We all want to have a measure of significance, and please let me say this. I don't know if this is in Queens, in this culture, but where we are in the South, everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be remarkable. Everybody wants to be brilliant. It's like, just be faithful. Just be faithful. As a matter of fact, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself is what ordinary, beautiful Christianity looks like. And Jesus says, if you really want to be great, put a towel around your waist and wash people's feet. Often we import the world's understanding of great instead of Jesus' understanding of great. Let's move to scene four, which I call grace is honest about our sin. And and please understand this, sin is not just, oh, I made a little boo-boo. Sin is telling God, I don't want my rightful inheritance to rule and reign in this universe with your son. It's more than just eh, I did bad. Sin is also spiritual death. It is, it is neglecting our calling. But God is honest about it. Watch this. Verse 15. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. She's thinking physically. But Jesus, is like, I'm about to take you somewhere, but before I do, we got to get honest. He goes, Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I wonder if Samuel's like, hey. (laughs) uh, Well, what happened is, (laughs) verse 17, listen to this. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said. See, she didn't lie to him. She was honest. I, I, I don't know who this is for. But you know what I love about AA meetings? I've never been a part of one, but I was in a Starbucks one one time, and like eight dudes just surrounded me, and in about two minutes, I was like, oh, I'm in an AA meeting. I'm going to stay here. It's so refreshing. You know why? They were so honest. I wish Christians would be honest. Jesus went to the cross because we needed him. What are we hiding for? We're going back to the Garden of Eden. We're hiding from the very one who can give us grace to restore us. You can't scare him with your sin. You can't run him off with your sin. As a matter of fact, that's why he went to the cross because there's nothing you can do or that I can do that would make him go shame. No, he runs towards us in grace. So she's honest. That's repentance. I don't have a husband, Jesus said for you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband, what you said is true. She was honest. Oftentimes, when I've heard this text preach, particularly from majority culture pastors, the woman is like a harlot and she's evil and she's bad. That's not the case, she's a victim. Uh, Friends, in the ancient world, a Pharisee could divorce his wife for making breakfast bad. It was very man-centric in that a man could do pretty much whatever he wanted to do, and if she was committing adultery, she would have been stoned to death. And so what we have here is a woman that was a victim, and the man she was living with now probably kept her out of the streets from being a prostitute. It wasn't like she could go to college wasn't like she could go get a job. She was very dependent upon men, and so what we have here is Jesus meeting her where she's at, and how beautiful is this? A strong man meeting her where she's at and not requesting sex from her, but affirming her dignity, affirming her value, affirming her worth. Now, did he excuse her sin? No. But he let her know that my grace is greater than your sin. And the key to this is she was honest. Would you please be honest? Would we please be honest? Our God is a God of grace. And he says, if you want to hide, if you really want to hide, hide in my wounds. Hide in my cross, as Colossians 3 says, we are hidden in Christ. If we want to hide, let's hide in him. Scene five, I entitled, Grace Heals and Sends Us on Mission. Let's look at the text. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah was a divine figure that the Jews were looking for, not necessarily to forgive sins, but to rid the promised land of the evil Romans, the Gentiles. Jesus was a different kind of Messiah. He came to do something greater than rid the land of the Romans, he wanted to rid the land of sin, death, and evil, the greatest captor of all. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us, which Jesus did. In verse 26, it says, Jesus told her, uh, uh, I am the one speaking to you, am he. This is really cool. Do you know who the first person that Jesus told he was the Jewish Messiah? A Samaritan woman. What an unlikely person. Please understand this: God loves underdogs. God loves the marginalized. God loves those that others look past. So if you feel like you've blown it, you are no good. I've got good news for you. You are just the person that Jesus is looking for. If you are imperfect, I got good news for you. God loves imperfect people. You know why? Because that's all he has to work with. Let's continue. Verse 27, just then his disciples arrived. Now remember, these are Jewish disciples. And they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. That's out of character. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? So, So the Jewish disciples went into the city of Sychar to buy food and stuff, right? And, and we're gonna see something really interesting here in a moment, but before we do, let's look at verse 28. I love this verse. It says, the woman left her water jar. Hold on, so, so hold on. So she comes at noontime because she don't want anybody to see her and she thinks she's gonna get physical water. She meets Jesus, the living water, and she goes, hold on, I'm not thirsty anymore. When my When my daughter was in high school, there was this thing called, you know, if a guy likes a girl, if a girl likes a guy, oh, they're being thirsty. Well, guess what? All of us are thirsty. We're really thirsting not for this. This is just a shadow. We're actually thirsting for Jesus, the living water. And when Jesus quenched her thirst with, her great, with his grace, what did, he, what did she do? She left the water jar and she left. She went from not wanting anyone to see her Took not helping but people see her because she had been with Jesus. Went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. Why was she so receptive? Because Jesus met her with her sin and shoulder his grace. All these people around here who won't enter this building because they've experienced aspects of church where they come in and they get condemned. Is God serious about sin? Yes, look at the cross. But is God serious about love and grace? As James says, mercy triumphs judgment. Who have you shared the living water of mercy and grace with 2.3 million people in this area. I want to speak a prophetic word over you that God's grace would so motivate your heart that you're running out of room, that you got to buy another expensive building. Lord have mercy, property is expensive in these here Queens, New York. I'm praying you, you gotta plant more campuses, you gotta start more churches, why? Because people are thirsty, and you're like, well, well, you can have a little swig, but I got something that'll quench your real thirst, your deepest need. Now here's what's interesting, the Jewish disciples, the professionals, they had been with Jesus. They seen the way Jesus loved people. They went into the city of Sychar, bought Samaritan's groceries, but did not share the Savior's love. Isn't it ironic? The professionals did not do what they were supposed to do, but the woman at the well did exactly what they were supposed to do. She came to him thirsty and wounded and left as a missionary healed. Here's my question for you. I love emotionally healthy spirituality. The depth of your discipleship is seen in the depth of your evangelism to reach those who are yet to discover Christ. Emotionally healthy spirituality is, I want other people who are yet to experience His grace to experience his grace, and I know what you're saying, you're you're going, hey, new preacher, I'm feeling what you're saying, but I'm not qualified, don't worry, God calls you, and he'll qualify you, you're like, "Well, well, pastor, I don't have no experience, don't worry, the woman at the well didn't have no experience, but she had Jesus, that's all you need, you just need a testimony, you just need a story, you just need to be overwhelmed by the tsunami of his love, that when the tsunami of his love washes over you, you want to Wake up and say, God, who today can I share Jesus with? Did you know? You ready for this? Lean in. Everybody, come on, come on, lean in. <laughs> your job is paying you to be a missionary. You think the Lord just gave you your job so you can just pay your bills? You know how my wife came to faith? A woman at work. You know how I came to faith? At work, neither one of us were gonna walk into a church building for a church service. Y'all, weird. Y'all sing songs we don't even know. We knew Purple Rain by Prince. Y'all talking about let the Holy Spirit reign. Watch what happens, teenagers, verse 39. Now many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. Verse 42, and they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really the savior of the world. I'm gonna close with this and I'm gonna give you an exhortation. The Samaritan woman, and I did a lot of my doctoral work on this, the Samaritan woman is actually a picture of Jesus' church. What do I mean? A Samaritan is a Jew and a Gentile in one body. What's the church supposed to be? A Jew and a Gentile in one body. What is the church called? The bride of Christ. And then what does the Samaritan woman do? She meets Jesus, he came to her in grace, and she left so she could go share that grace. Here's our soul tattoo, that means the big idea. Go tell the lost about grace. Go tell them. I, I pray that this baptism font is on fire. I, I, I pray that there's so many stories that you're blown away. Matter, matter of fact, I'm gonna pray this over you and I'm sure that you've experienced this. God has blessed us at Transformation Church That sometimes we've had baptisms that went so long, it was two or three hours after service and people just kept coming and coming and coming and coming and it wasn't because of me, it wasn't because of our worship team, we played a role, but it was because of people like you who became infectious with God's grace. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the beautiful people of New Life Fellowship. Such an honor and a privilege to share your good news. I pray that you would put a flame in our hearts like the Samaritan woman, that we meet Jesus who came to us in grace, that we may go on mission in grace. May that baptism font be set on fire with so many people coming to faith, and may our hearts overflow from the deep well of Jesus' life-giving love. And God's people said, "Amen." Good
0: job, babe.
2: Let's stand and sing together. Let's rise and sing together. your heart trouble Hold your head up I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one tree.
0: Gray for a wonderful word. Um, Just give him another hand, please. So look, everybody, this is kind of, this is one of those messages where you can, you know, hear it. um, I'm experiencing it now and then I can walk out and then life just goes back to normal. So um, this is what I'm asking. I'm asking that right now, You just take a moment. Think about number one, when are you going to pray and ask God to point you to someone? Okay, it takes intentionality. So I want Him to show me who's that person? Who am I going to share this grace with? We're the beneficiaries of grace, we are the beloved. And so as Pastor Gray shared, it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's wonderful. This is, my, this is something I've received. He's changed my life. But when do I offer the gift to someone else? When do I take a moment and look around and in all the thousands and, and thousands of people that pass by me every day, when do I stop and say, let me offer you this gift? So this is a real call for us. This is not just a message to you know, clap and this is a great word, and then we go, all, go home and we go back to our world. It is time for us to ask God to give us the courage to do this work. Now, for some of us, you know this may be, we may not even know that we 've received the grace, right we, maybe, maybe i don 't even know i 'm the beloved. And so the prayer teams are gonna be here to my right, communion's gonna be here to my right, and maybe you need to just receive that to realize you truly are called the beloved of God, that he's already deposited that in you. Maybe that's what you need. And then for the others of us, we need to think about what our next step is gonna be. Because the rubber meets the road at some point. We can talk, and we can sing, and we can rejoice, but when do I really challenge myself to step out. And I know it can be scary, right? It takes courage sometimes. The third thing is some of us can go after this service, right through those doors, upstairs into the upper stage room. Red and Aya Sevilla will be up there discussing how you can become more missional. So your day could be today. For some of you, it's today. And you just need to go up those stairs and learn how to get into a community of people that are going out and learning how to create Opportunities to share their story and to share the gospel with others, so it's happening today during this service after this service is the only time they're going to be up there today after this service 1230, thirty twelve thirty they're going to be up there in that room and you can go up there and you can hear how you can step out so i 'm going to pray for us um, and pray that God give us that this word just not, not just not hit here and bounce off but that it sink down into our spirits that we will then be able to act out of it alright so please extend your hands so brothers and sisters sons of daughters of the living gracious merciful and kind God we bless we bless you Lord we thank you God for everything that you have deposited in us We thank you for how you have loved us and how you have given to us. And I pray, God, for each and every one present that you would now give us the courage and give us the tenacity to hold on to the word that you've given us today, that we would go out and share with those who are looking, seeking, grasping, that we would show them the way to true grace. So I bless each and every one here. I commit them into your care, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.